when you have prospects that are coming in with different situations, problems, things that they've tried over and over and over to resolve and they just haven't found the right thing. That going to a sales technique and closing techniques is not going to work at all. You have to have a real conversation with that person and find out what their problems are, why they're important to them, what they've tried in the past, and then why now is the right time for them to make a change. And when you have that real conversation with them, it won't feel like you're trying to sell them anything. And they won't feel like they're trying to be sold something either. This is Getting to Yes, the podcast with leaders from all walks of life, exploring their successes, mistakes, and lessons learned in influence and persuasion. Getting others to say yes, and then taking an insight or two to help them achieve even greater things. A recurring theme of the podcast is how to influence and impact your audiences in an ethical and comfortable way. And conversational selling is a topic of frequent interest. Oftentimes, when it comes to entrepreneurs connecting with their audiences, the one thing that they're worried about is, do I come across as pushy? Do I come across as salesy? And in today's episode with my very dear friend and colleague, Tom Jacobs, we're going to go into the keys to conversational selling. Now, Tom has been a serial entrepreneur. He had his own fitness business, sold it, started Impact Pilot to help entrepreneurs like you get more out of their leads. And his current business, uh, Business Lead Maximizer, is focused on helping with outreach via phone. He has a call center. And so we're going to dive into a lot of these topics that are relevant to anyone that tries to impact people with their words through conversational uh, selling. So... Tom, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes. As I alluded to in the show opener, conversational selling is definitely a topic of a lot of interest. It's related to maybe social selling where people say you don't even need a website. All you need is the connection and have some form of conversation as opposed to having one too many marketing through email marketing and marketing automation. So I'm really interested to hear your take on why conversational selling is so key. Yeah, you know, it's, it's so interesting that we help so many people in the health and wellness sphere. And that's a very personal service. And when you have prospects that are coming in with different situations, problems, things that they've tried over and over and over to resolve and they just haven't found the right thing. That going to a sales technique and closing techniques is not going to work at all. You have to have a real conversation with that person and find out what their problems are, why they're important to them, what they've tried in the past, and then why now is the right time for them to make a change. And when you have that real conversation with them, it won't feel like you're trying to sell them anything. And they won't feel like they're trying to be sold something either. In fact, quick story, I just was reviewing a sales call that a client sent in to me for review. It's one thing that I love to do. <laughs> and at one point, the prospect was, was saying, I know, I'm in sales. I know this is a sales call, but it doesn't feel like I'm being sold to. It feels like 
you really care about helping me solve this problem. And yeah. when you hear conversations or, or words like that, you know you're doing the right thing. Great, yeah. You certainly have experience with you know sales calls, if you will. As part of your call center, you literally your team has called tens of thousands of people. So why don't we take a little step back? You know, you started out as somebody in the fitness space. You had your own fitness business, and what was the transition that you felt? Oh, I want to move from there into marketing, and more specifically into helping entrepreneurs with their sales. Yeah, great, great question. It really started. Uh, when I first started the business, which was in 2008, the fitness center, and I had great dreams. I'd come out of oil and gas, you know, I'd managed millions of dollars in assets and, and things like that. And so, you know, running a small business is no big deal at all. <laughs> But in the very first six months, I realized very quickly that I knew nothing about small business. And the number one skill that I did not have was sales. And at that moment, I realized when the bank account was shrinking faster than money coming in, <laughs> that I needed to get rid of all the bad mindset that I'd been brought up with, that sales is bad, it's an adversarial thing, you know, you never trust a salesperson, All those things that were just pre-programmed in me from just growing up in, in my family. And I had to get the right coaching to help me get over that and then also have a process in place. Because as an introvert, you know, it, sales didn't come natural to me. And really, sales doesn't come natural to anybody. It is a learned skill and anybody can do it. But once I learned that in the process of selling, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so easy. So what were some of the, if I can cut in there, what were some of the key lessons that your mentor shared with you that really reframed how you saw sales and what allowed you to make that mental shift? Yeah, yeah, great. So let me start that with how sales were for me prior to learning this technique. So imagine this, it's a you know, training center, small facility, equipment, all that. I'll be training a client and because I was the only one there in the beginning months and be on the lat machine or something like that. We're doing lat pull downs. And then somebody would walk in because it was kind of a storefront area and they were just kind of standing by the front desk. So I tell the client, I was like, okay, do 12 more. And then I go and talk to the person. And I'm like, yeah, what do you want? And kind of in that tone of voice, as well. And then they're like, oh, I'm kind of thinking about getting fit. Like, well, yeah, that's what we do here. It's uh, $60 a session. If you get 10 sessions, I'll give you a 11th for free. And yeah, that's how it works. When do you want to start? Oh, let me think about it. Okay, well, here's my card. When you think about it, I'll, I'll come back to you. you know, come back in. <laughs> no wonder I was going broke in, in six months, yeah. right? <laughs> that is not a sales process. What Transition then was how do you ask the right questions to get the person to tell you that they, one, have a problem, two, that they want to get it solved, and they want to get it solved now. And that is the conversation. And I've, I've kind of broken it down really into four questions. It's what, why, what, why? What, what's your goal? Why is that important to you? 
what are you doing now or what have you tried in the past to resolve that problem or get to the goal? And then why is now the right time to make a change? That's all you need to ask. And when you do that, now you're having the right conversation with somebody and they're answering with why they need you and why they need you now. Yeah. And so they're telling themselves that they're ready to buy. And so then it's just a matter of you know, taking payment. So as a marketer, what's in my mind is now the band principle. Does this person have the budget, authority, need, and timing? And obviously, why is now the time that speaks to the T and need? It's like, hey, why do you want to solve the problem? So a lot of these four questions really allow you to see, is this the right person? Obviously, you're not asking about the budget, but I guess they have some general sense of what things are costing. And you know, if you get answers to the other three questions, then that just leaves the logistics left over for, for the next step. So it makes a lot of sense yeah. from that aspect. So then how do you then transition that knowledge? You know, you have still have your own business. What prompted you to start Impact Pilot and move on from your fitness business? Yeah, so because I had excelled so well with the sales program that the, it was a coaching company that offered it. And in to go to your one of your first questions was, what was the shift? It was the process. So knowing that there was a process in sales, that was the shift that saved me. Because I can follow directions. You tell me how to bake a cake, I can bake a cake. You just follow the directions. Don't mm -hmm. deviate, but follow the directions, right? So that's where the shift came for me. And then once I was getting you know, a lot of success in, you know, 90, 95% close rate. And the company was taking notice to this and, and my business growing up and, and blowing up. And they were like, hey, do you want to start coaching our clients? And so I was, yeah, sure, I'll coach people. That's, that's great. I'm sure a lot of the people listening are like, yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> that's a lot of coaching companies get their current clients to then coach for them, right? And then at, at some point, they were like, well, we need a salesperson. So then I started selling their program for them. And I was doing selling from the stage. So we would do small workshops, about 12, 15, 20 people sometimes. And we'd do a full day workshop, or I would do the full day workshop. And at the end of the, the workshop, I would sell the program. And in the matter of three years, I sold $4 million of their program. And it was, you know, it traveled all around the world doing it. And it was, at that moment, I was like, yeah, this is this is pretty easy. I, I love sales. And then was coaching people on doing sales. And that love outgrew the love that I had for my fitness business. <laughs> and, you know, having a brick and mortar just has its challenges, especially when you want to yeah. travel the world and live in different places. So ultimately, I Obviously, decided to sell that business. The impact that you can make is so much larger if you help people sell or enroll clients into their products. And obviously, we're all saying, you know, ethically, the program has to be good. You know, it's not about subverting your sales skills for something else. And I think this is something we alluded in the intro that so many people think of persuasion as a dirty word. But let's face mm -hmm. it, we're all persuading each and every day. And, you know, yeah. when we're saying selling, we mean serving. You know, ultimately, you can only serve your clients and your patients if you actually get their money and they agree to be helped 
with that problem. And so that money is just formalizing that agreement that you have to serve them and transform their life. This is why I personally think that with this podcast, Getting to Yes, it's always about understanding how does the brain make these decisions? How does the brain wants to be persuaded? How do we make it easier on the brain to say yes? And, you know, obviously sales conversations or discovery calls or strategy sessions in the healthcare field are that vehicle that marks that transition from somebody being interested, maybe a DIYer about their health to actually deciding that, you know what, my health is important enough and I need to change something because I can't continue going like this with the ill health that I had. I need fast track uh, support. And, you know, I, I trust this person to help me make that change happen. So, you know, now that your team at Business Lead Maximizer is essentially acting as a call center, as an outbound organization that works with different clients on ensuring that people show up for their webinars, for their in-person events. You even do discovery calls on behalf of different practices. So do you want to share a little bit more about how that process works and what you found is the key for your team to really master discovery calls and get the results that clients are happy with? Yeah, yeah. So kind of the idea of the call center came early on when I had my fitness center still. And one of the biggest struggles that I had was following up on leads that were coming in and following up consistently and persistently. And that's kind of, I always talk about consistency and persistency, if that's a word. Um, <laughs> but it's when you're following up with leads that have already expressed interest, it's critical to call them within 20 minutes of them filling out that online form. As long as it's during normal call times, you know, 8, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And outside of that time frame, that lead gets cold and it gets cold really fast because they're having an issue and they're like searching on Google and they find you and they're like, yes, I want this, I want what, you know, I want to learn more. And so they fill out the form and if it's a day or two days that goes by, what do you think they've, they're done? They've probably gone on to Google to find somebody else that will respond to them, or they've just forgotten about the problem and, and they're not gonna do anything about it. But if you, first of all, get to them within you know, 10, 15 minutes or at least 20 minutes, then you have a much greater chance of booking that consultation. Uh, we have one of our clients that sends in lots of leads, so we get really good data from them. And the leads are, and I think they time their ads, they must, because we don't get overnight ad, uh, leads coming in. So the leads come in during the day. When our agents are talking to them immediately, they are like 90% of the time booking the appointment. It's just, it's done. Versus if you don't get a hold of them on the first try, on average, it takes 10 touches to get them on the phone, mm. which is just crazy. Is that true across the industry? You know, again, working in integrative and functional medicine, is that the same difficulty as, let's say, if you work for a gym or something mm -hmm. that's maybe a little bit sexier or people understand what the service entails? No, it's the same across the board. It doesn't matter the industry. You know, I was... When I owned the fitness center, I was looking for flooring and I put 
you know, filled in five different lead forms on websites. And the person that got my business was the one that called me within five minutes. And literally, like, from the moment I filled out the form to me giving him my credit card information was like 15 minutes. So if you are responding to people, they will respond back like very quickly and you will have a much higher close rate. And so that's, and that's where the sales conversation starts is on the phone when you're pre-qualifying that lead to come in for the first appointment. So then when your agents pick up, how does the conversation normally flows? Do you have a rapport face in the beginning to acknowledge this? And the second question related to this is, what if they come in from a lead magnet and they don't even know that there is a discovery call or a strategy session in the future? How do you build a bridge from lead magnet to a strategy session? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So whether it's a webinar funnel or lead magnet funnel, I kind of group those kind of together. The webinar is a little bit better because they're they're pre-educated on the on the webinar for a little bit longer period of time but like after a webinar we will call the people that attended but didn't book a call and again there it takes you know a good number like three to five touches to get them on the phone but once we do it's we want to get to an immediate question first so as quickly as possible getting that intro and I, I train the agents to assume Whoever you are calling is the person answering, and that person is your best friend. You wouldn't say to your best friend, oh, hello, is this Bob? No, you would say, hey, Bob, it's Tom. I'm calling you back because you joined us on the webinar yesterday. Dr. So-and-so had a quick question that I'd like to ask. Is that okay? And right then, now you have that memory jogger of why you're calling them. You sound like a friend and you want to ask a question. You want to get feedback, right? And generally we'll say, well, Dr. So-and-so wanted feedback on the webinar. What did you like best about it? And that, so we get to that first question as quickly as possible to, again, build some rapport. Same thing for a lead magnet. Oh, we noticed that you downloaded the lead magnet. I wanted to make sure that you were able to download it properly. So kind of taking a a customer service uh, point of view. And then were you able to dig into that lead magnet? Yes, and no. most people oh, okay. say not yet. What do you do then? Yeah, not yet. Right. Oh, that's that's all right. Then you probably miss that doctor is giving a a free discovery call to see how we can help you. I'd like to go ahead and book that now. Is that okay? It should only take about five minutes. And then right right into the booking. Same with the webinar. So it's what do you like best about the webinar? Great, awesome, that's you know, wonderful. You know, we always just agree with whatever they say. And then, oh, I'm not sure if you noticed, but we were offering a free discovery call to talk privately with you and see if there's a way that we could work and helping you resolve your health concerns. Because it is a conversation of, see, the agent can really modulate the responses and make sure they're not coming across as too pushy, that, as you said, it's customer service, it's coming from a attitude of serving, as I said, is not selling, but serving. Selling is serving to really help people get rid of the problem. You know, if the problem is big enough, they'll probably ultimately say yes. And as you said, the more pre-educated they are before the call, the better, you know, your pitch is going to be. What else do you find in terms of objection handling happens on a discovery call? Is it usually uh, fairly straightforward that there's not a lot of pushback or what's your instructions there for your agents? 
Yeah, so then on the full discovery call, like that 10, 15 minute phone call to book the first appointment, which is generally a paid appointment, it really depends. The close rate, and looked at multiple clients, the close rate really depends on the webinar that we're calling on and how well the whoever did the webinar kind of tees up that discovery call or creates the rapport on the webinar. And most likely the reason that people didn't take advantage of the free discovery call on the webinar itself was either one, they dropped off earlier and didn't hear the offer or like some technology happened and they weren't able to book it for some reason. I've like so many recordings of people going, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you called me because I couldn't get the calendar thing to work. Oh, okay, well, great, let's go ahead and book you. And then on the discovery call, we go through the rapport building, the questioning phase, and then presenting the solution. And generally the objections are, are taken care of because the questions that we ask, the what, why, what, why, then they've already told themselves they need it, they need it now. And so then it's just a matter of, is this the right product for them? Is it a good fit? And can they afford it? Yeah, absolutely. And that I'm so glad you're saying this because in our own work, working with integrative and functional medicine clients, we see this all the time that people think about how to make their offer sexy, assuming people they are on a discovery call and then how do I best present my offer? But what they fail to appreciate is if you don't sell the discovery call and you create inherent value for the discovery call, nobody's going to get on your discovery call and then you can't make your offer. So you're really selling at three points during the customer journey. First, to get them on your list, aka opt-in for the perfect patient magnet or lead magnet. Number two, sell them on the idea of a discovery call that this is a groundbreaking discussion. And then obviously, once they're in the discovery call on joining the initial appointment, joining the program, etc. I know you've been in the trenches for so long. I know you have a lot of resources that you assembled over the years. And uh, you and I, we talked about some of the resources you have around conversational selling. So how can people dig into deeper into finding out what you do, get a hold of some of the guides and resources that you've created? Yeah, cool. So I, I made available a, a guide that I put together probably a couple of years ago about how to convert people at different stages in the conversation. So it's the three keys to doubling your sales in the next three to six months. I think that's the title of it. So we'll make that available to everybody to kind of peruse and, and see what it is that I'm all about, because it is coming out of the health and wellness fitness industry. I realize that heart-centered or conversational-centered selling is the only way that will work with this clientele. And the days of banging somebody over the head until they buy is gone. Leave that to another industry. But in, and that's, that should come as a relief for so many of the practitioners who are, who probably feel that's not me. But what is you is having a conversation with somebody and helping them realize what the next step is and how to take that next step easily with you. So that guide kind of walks you through some some strategies enable, to enable you to be able to do that. Yeah, and having personally worked with 
many of Tom's clients. We share a lot of clients. I know firsthand how amazing your work is and that of your team and how game-changing it can be to have your team book appointments so that all the leads that come in for a business don't go wasted and that you as a practitioner or entrepreneur can focus on growing and actually delivering the care or delivering the product. Again, this is one of the things where I believe technology can certainly help with the initial phases of the relationship building, aka how do you tee up the lead magnet, the webinar, etc. But then there has to be conversation um, that needs to happen. And this is actually a great reminder that in our next podcast episode with Mary Catherine Johnson, uh, that's airing next week, we're going to talk about messenger bots. How can you actually automate this conversational selling or the introductory conversations that um, need to happen to essentially tee up uh, somebody uh, reaching out? And maybe that is the bridge that if your practice or your business can call people within five to 20 minutes, there is at least some form of communication happening that binds or magnetizes the the new prospect to your list that you can afford to maybe call them, you know, in two or three or four hours later and make this a little bit more effective. So be on the lookout for this, Tom. Really, really appreciate your time and all the value that you shared. Thank you so much for all the work that you do in our tribe and for everyone else listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you. trust this episode was inspiring and that you'll join me for a new episode each and every week. And if you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you are listening. And feel free to share it with colleagues and friends. I'm your host, Uli Iselo. See you next week. Music